Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of Thai Airways Flight 311. Thanks for listening. Woo! It's... Hi, friends. We love you so much. It's a million degrees. Oh, I don't... Okay. I am... It's fine. I'm happy about it. I love that people love this weather. I do. It just, it makes me so miserable. So, so miserable, but it's okay. And I think this is like the first super, super hot day of like this week that is going to span. And like, I mean, the UK is so hot right now. Did you see this? Is it? They're having like, like literally this is the hottest week they've ever had in like recorded history or something like that. Like literally the, there was, I forget what, maybe like the train car tires or like uh, wheels were melting on the tracks. What? Like it was, it's been crazy. It's currently there. Yeah. It's currently insane Uh, there. Are you okay, David? Let us know (laughs) if you're okay. Cause like that is too hot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's way too hot. More of you who are British than David. So you, all of us, please, us we know. don't know how you're doing. I think it's like 105 um, is like the temperature. No! Is the temperature. No! So I can't even imagine what like the feel is. It's pretty humid there, right? I think. Yeah. I I've never been there. We gotta go. F- famously humid. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I feel like I haven't actually been there because I only went there for during the Olympics and that's right. not, <laughs> that's not real. It doesn't right? count. It doesn't count. But no, I don't think, and like. I had a, a lovely time, but it was not a million degrees like that, even no. though it was like the same time of year. Right. That's too hot. That's too hot. Right. They do not have air conditioning. Their homes no. are small. Like that is too hot. Right. I bet everybody is like living in like the grocery <laughs> store that has AC. That's too hot. Probably. It's way too hot. I no. also, the dog is in the room with me because of the AC. It's cooler in here. Aww. But she is drinking water. So I'm sorry if there's like a weird distant ASMR thing going on in the background <laughs> the doggo our like She'll australian like darlings are like well it's winter here <laughs> right. i know i literally look yeah. at the heat map all the time on Ugh. like the apple weather or whatever yeah and just australia it's like sea of red the whole earth is just on fire and there's australia just in beautiful blue <laughs> right <sighs> i guess they pay for it the rest of the year but yeah like, they really right do. now but right now this moment that's where i want yeah. our, my second home that's one day so you, i can just go there and you can have it i yeah. don't want to say anything bad i had <laughs> i love you guys who are australian i love you so much and you've done so much to rehabilitate my image of australian people <laughs> that was deeply affected by interacting with australian yeah. men while abroad. traveling yeah abroad right and every australian person i've ever met they do not like australians abroad right but I don't know, guys. <laughs> you know, I don't you're, know. But you're then, living it up in that cool sense. weather. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And thank you for being nice and wonderful. <sighs> and honestly, if you are an Australian person and you have, you just want to like swap stories about Australian men, this is getting cut. I got to stop this. Anyway, <laughs> it's hot, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's so sorry. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so sorry. It's going to be like this. I'm so sorry. It's we okay. are sorry. We are sorry. We are hot. Yes. We are also four minutes into this episode okay yes, we so are. <laughs> we are doing thai airways 311 today which is not an airline we've talked about before um they are still going thai airways is like the national airline of thailand um and i bet it's great i don't i haven't had any experiences with them um but yeah. i bet they're great um thai food is the most delicious food and thai people are wonderful yes. in my experience um we're going back to july 31st so okay this is probably actually going to come out yeah this will probably come out shortly after the anniversary of this flight and mm. uh we're going back to 1992 okay good year. a wonderful year yep. wonderful year yeah great vintage for <laughs> babies born in 1992 love yeah. it um we're flying on an airbus a310 uh which is a plane that probably a lot of you have been on, right? Uh, it's, I, I think, I believe the configuration on this aircraft was 242, kind of like a 
like a nice like not too long kind of chubby airplane like nice and round with lots of seats across but not crazy long like some other planes yeah um and the plane was born in 1987 so the plane (laughs) is so new only five years old a sweet baby and uh we've got two pilots 12 flight attendants and 99 passengers so 113 souls on board and it's honestly probably pretty luxe pretty comfy 99 people on the plane it's not like everybody's got a row but it's nice you know nobody's you know on top of each other so that's nice um we are flying from bangkok thailand to Kathmandu, nepal uh and it's about a three-hour flight Kathmandu. uh for those of you who don't no, Kathmandu, the Nepalese airport, that's their, Kathmandu is the capital of Nepal. Um, the, I actually assumed wrongly that the altitude of Kathmandu airport was like astronomical. I thought it was going to be one of like the highest airports in the world. And it's yeah. actually not at all. It's not even the hmm. highest um, airport in, in Nepal. It's situated down in kind of a valley between the Himalayas in the north, right? It's like the beginning of the Himalayas in the north. Yeah. And then another mountain range in the south. And then you're over those mountains and you get into India. I will edit that out if that is wrong. (laughs) But the... um, I think it's right. I think it's right. It feels right, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll find out someone will tell us okay yeah we really should know but (laughs) it's fine but the airport is it is at a a fairly high altitude at um around 3400 feet so like good and high you know like you might get a nosebleed you know how it is but it's between (laughs) the mountains in the south are eight thousand feet eight to nine thousand feet and the mountains in the north, the Himalayas, uh, the like immediately in the north, they go up to 26,000 feet. So obviously mm. the Himalayas go higher than that. But the ones that are right north, 26,000 feet. So it's in like a little, like a little valley, a little cushion in between. Yeah. And uh, our pilots are Captain Prida and First Officer Futhat. And Prida is 41 and he's the captain and he's uh very well respected very good at his job he's um was kind of identified very early on as kind of the guy like the guy to watch i guess that the expectations were very high for them and he met uh, for him and he met them um he's yeah good good at his job well respected our dear darling with that is 52 He's a first officer, and early in his career, they decided that he was, uh, quote, not captain material, and that he would just spend his career as a first officer, which is, right. So, like, if you want to be a first officer for your whole career, that is literally fine. Right. Uh, Like, I, when I worked in aviation, knew very early on that I never, ever wanted to be a supervisor or manager in aviation. That's, I think, being a station manager is maybe the worst job, like maybe just the worst job, definitely the worst job in aviation. Maybe I'm wrong. Some ops guys are going to be like, pardon me, but have you seen (laughs) my job? But and I I hear you, but I would never want to be station manager. And so it's not it's not that it's automatically bad to spend your career as a first officer, but it was maybe not. Maybe it was because he was not so well respected and maybe he had kind of a not so great reputation um, for his flying skills. Not people didn't say he was a jerk or whatever, but people just thought like, you guys know, you have coworkers, like, you know, like the person who everybody's kind of like, okay, like (laughs) you are functioning at the the edge of your capacity. (laughs) And again, I do not know if that's even authentically true of him right because you can get a bad reputation what can i say so that's the situation we got prita 41 good very high reputation uh with that 52 maybe not such a good reputation um and that's what we're taken off with so uh, it's a routine flight that thai airways does uh this like bangkok to Kathmandu flight regularly it's not some special flight so it's clearly safe there's other planes Kathmandu is a regular airport in a lot of ways right um but it is surrounded by mountains it does not have radar 
at all. There's just no radar at all mm. uh, in 1992. So in order to keep planes away from each other and in order to like do their jobs, the air traffic controllers need to constantly get updates from the different aircraft they're flying around as to where they are. So that's tough, right? That's very tricky. Yeah. If you're an air traffic controller and your job is to keep planes away from each other, but you you can't see them. You just have to, they tell you where they are in space and you have to have like that mental map really down pat. Um, they are also surrounded by mountains and that makes means that you can lose communication with air traffic control. Uh, it's kind of understood that even though the air traffic controllers really, really need to know where you are and need to do all of the normal communications that you would do with air traffic control, uh, you might not be able to get them right away. You might have to keep calling them. So that's tough, right? Yeah. That's That might be the worst job in aviation, being an air traffic <laughs> controller at Kathmandu in 1992. Yeah. Uh, it is also monsoon season. We're right in the heart of it. And uh, anybody who has ever experienced mountains or weather like knows that the that's a recipe for like thick cloud cover thick 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 like dense fog i don't even know if it counts as fog anymore if you're like up in the mountains like mm. if you're up if you're where the clouds are the cloud didn't come down to you you went up i don't know so it's at this time of year most like the airport is like pretty consistently having these like huge you know white out fog clouds and so you it makes it tricky to land you have to really be mindful of like where your uh alternate airports are in case you need to divert and land somewhere else in case the fog is sitting on the runway and you can't land there um and it's remote and in 1992 there were not that many options for alternates so the alternate airport for the flight that we are flying today is calcutta in india which is okay. like a little over 200 or a little under rather 200 miles away so not that close 200 miles is no that's not a super close alternate so right. these are the conditions that we're working with right uh on this day the pilots take off from bangkok and as they approach again it's only like a three-hour flight as they approach they start to get into that dense cloud cover so they are flying with no visual reference point they can't see anything out their windows except for cloud white cloud it's not um turbulent like it's not like uh some of the other stories we've told recently where there's yeah. like horrible crashing loud weather but it is you're just flying through clouds for a long time about 30 minutes before landing. So the first two and a half hours of this flight, no problem, right? So they're mm -hmm. they're approaching Kathmandu. They're getting into the zone where they want to start to communicate with air traffic control, approach at Kathmandu so they can um, get down to, down to the airport. Because again, they have to basically descend once they actually get close enough. The descent has to be really, really fast. So they have to go from like 10,000 feet flying over the mountains in the southern part. Uh, they have to like go from 10,000 feet all the way down to the ground really rapidly because mm. there's very little space, which means that there's very little time <laughs> right. to get down there. Uh, so about a half hour out, they call approach at Kamandu and uh, say that they are approaching. Basically, they say like, hello, we are coming in and uh they get no response and like okay these are professionals that's what they're used to a traffic control doesn't get back to them right away and they're just like keep calling them you know just keep saying yeah. like hello we are coming you're expecting us right we're here uh they call and after a few minutes they finally get a response and uh the air traffic controller offers them an instrument landing approach right because it's whiteout conditions they can't see anything uh so there's no you can't visually fly the plane um from the north meaning they would have to like fly 
closer to the Himalayas, which, right. and then come down to descend super sharply. And that is possible. It is something that planes do. But uh, Prita is like, no, I no, I'm not doing it. It's super cloudy. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We're either going to approach from the south or we're, we're not doing it. Um, and he asks uh Futhat, so uh Prita is flying and he asks Futhat if he will call the air traffic controller back and see if they can come in from the south but he also says um do we have enough fuel to go to Calcutta like do is there just we're good on that like because yeah. I'm not doing that so if they're not going to let us approach from the south then we're going to fly to Calcutta do we have enough fuel for that which they should that would be the plan when they left right they certainly should have enough fuel for their alternate but it's a it's a sensible question you need to make sure yeah. right um so for that is checking but he says he's he's checking the fuel needs to get to calcutta and he says we have enough to go back to bangkok which does in a way answer the question right if you said do you have a cup of water and the other person said i have a gallon of water then you definitely got a cup right right? like it it does answer the question in that way but it is not exactly an answer to the question he asks and and maybe again i don't know exactly i don't know what their lives were like i don't know these are people who know each other i'm sure they've flown together before these are career men working at the same airline flying the same aircraft and uh maybe prito gets like a little irritated he's like okay do we have enough fuel to go to calcutta right. like kind of like Ugh. yeah and uh that is like checkity check trying to yeah. you know, check it and he is trying to like do the math or whatever and uh air traffic control actually calls them back now and says uh hey you can actually approach from the south and so okay so calcutta don't even worry about it anymore we're just gonna approach from the south which is what we wanted to do mountains are way lower there and that's what we were hoping for anyway yeah they uh prepare the plane for that sharp descent right they get uh situated to make that landing from the south and they start to prepare the plane for that descent and part of that is that they need to land with full flaps meaning that uh like flaps at 15 or uh, essentially, they need to create enough drag as they're landing so that as they're descending, they don't pick up too much speed because that's part of what's really tricky about landing a plane is that mm. you need to go down <laughs> and slow down at the same time. And that's um, not how gravity wants to work. <laughs> right. right. So to counteract that, they need to have full flaps to make that sharp descent and then land safely and so they go to turn the flaps to 15 and the flaps are stuck they're stuck and they're both like okay Prita's like we're going to Calcutta I'm not dealing with this we're not gonna even try this landing if we don't have full flaps I'm not messing with it right like he's a conscientious guy right he doesn't want to mess with it he doesn't want to take any unnecessary risks he says forget it uh they call air traffic control and ask if they can go to calcutta instead and are waiting for a response because it's not instantaneous like it is at maybe some other airports they're waiting for a response and while they're waiting for the response they're like fiddling with the flaps and they turn it off and turn it back on right they they retract the flaps completely and then try to put them to 15 and that that unsticks them so both of the flaps ex- uh, extend to 15 so then they call air traffic control back and say like okay like you didn't answer us but never mind uh we are gonna stay on this landing and again this is maybe frustrating right i can uh, this would be a frustrating moment especially when as they look out they see nothing they are completely dependent on their instruments their aircraft and the air traffic controller and like all of those things are not not keeping up right and they're also dependent on each other and maybe Prita feels like that isn't uh pulling his weight or maybe he's not yeah. competent so Prita's getting 
maybe a little irritated, right? He's getting irritated. Um, but we are so close to this airport and the flaps are working now and we're coming in from the south now. So we're good. Uh, but by the time they got a hold of air traffic control and communicated that they are still going to do this approach and got the flaps unstuck, they had uh, basically just proceeded too far they hadn't overshot the runway but they were now too close to the runway to make the sharp descent it would be way too sharp it's not possible right mm -hmm. so they're approaching it they can't get down from they're at ten thousand five hundred feet they can't get down to zero feet fast enough safely yeah. enough so uh, okay they ask air traffic control if they can turn around uh, and re-approach from the south uh the captain, though, like Prita is asking air traffic control. So Prita is flying and he's talking to air traffic control. So for whatever reason, Prita, in his frustration, maybe we all know people like this. Maybe all of our dads are like this. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but if you get really frustrated, then you just kind of like take more and more control of the situation yourself. Yeah. Right. Like you like, OK, I'll just do it. Yeah. Right. That thing. And again, maybe maybe something we can all empathize with. So he is flying the plane and talking to air traffic control and like that isn't doing anything and guys like that actually hasn't done anything wrong at this point i really think that's important to say he has not actually messed anything up his mm. answer that they have enough fuel to get back to bangkok did actually answer the question if they have enough to go back to bangkok then they have enough to go to calcutta right and he but so i don't want to make out like he's a bumbling buffoon right sure. but he's these are the situations that can happen at work, right? So yeah. the captain is flying and he's asking air traffic control if they can turn around and reapproach from the south. Air traffic control doesn't answer. So Prita mm. is frustrated. They've overshot. He is having all these, you know, the stupid flaps. He's flying and he's talking to air traffic control. So he just keeps calling air traffic control over and over and over and over again. And they keep not answering. And this whole time, they're still flying north, right? They're not going to crash any second but they're still flying in the wrong direction and they're still flying in the unsafe direction toward the himalayas so he is frustrated at this point so he has called them four times and they have not answered him and they are still flying north and they can't fly north forever because the himalayas are there and prita decides uh like just fuck it i'm turning around yeah like, i'm just gonna turn around i'm just it's all white out i can't see anything uh, I'm just going to turn around because I can't fly north forever or I'm going to crash into the Himalayas. So he has had enough and he doesn't want to waste any more time. And he starts to uh, just announces, just calls air traffic control himself and says, I'm going to turn around and go back so that we can reapproach from the south. And I'm going to make a right hand turn because like earlier on, the air traffic controller had mentioned that there was some traffic to the left. And that's literally all he's going on. Mm. He that's earlier air traffic control said there were people on the left. He's going to turn right. So he starts to turn to the right by um, using the uh, I need to get this word. So he they have the air traffic control on. Uh, so he, in order to turn and make a 180 degree turn so that he can basically just go back, he just wants to run the same approach. So he uses the heading select and he turns it to the right so they can make a right turn so they can go back the way they came so they can turn back around so they can land. So he also says to air traffic control that he wants to ascend to 18,000 feet because right now they're at uh, 10,500 feet. He's flying back towards the mountains. They want to make sure that he clears. He doesn't know if there's any planes around. So he's himself by himself mm -hmm. making the decision right. that he's going to turn around, ascend. And he uh, is telling like Futhat, like, can you, find in the man the, the the flight management computer find the romeo heading and what that means is basically that's the heading he wants to take to land so he asks he gives him one job out of all of these jobs he says okay with that you find romeo on the flight management computer so that we can run the approach when we 
turn around and come back he's ascending he is talking to air traffic control and telling him what he's doing because he's sick of asking permission and he's turning the knob to turn to the right uh air traffic control who admit you know didn't answer when he was asking but now yeah. hears that he's just doing it himself air traffic control gets back and says uh do not ascend to eighteen thousand feet there are other planes and you were in whiteout conditions like you cannot see anything you are in a cloud uh go back down to eleven thousand feet so now he's talking to air traffic control was ascending now is descending is turning and he's frustrated because Futhat is not finding Romeo on the stupid computer fast enough and it's I gave you one job out of all these jobs look at all the stuff I'm doing can you just find Romeo on the stupid computer and he keeps turning he keeps turning the dial Hmm. to keep turning the plane to the right and he overshoots and instead of doing a 180 degree turn so he would be flying south he goes in a big loop oh gosh and is flying north again but he and Futhat think they're flying south now toward the lower mountains at 11,000 feet which is a safe altitude for those mountains (sighs) neither of them realize neither of them pick up on this yeah they are flying at 11,000 feet toward mountains that are 26,000 feet high with that, finally finds Romeo uh, waypoint on the flight management computer. And when he finds it and like boops it in, it says, turn around 180 degrees. Hmm. It tells them it's to the south of you. You're go- it doesn't say it's to the south of you. It doesn't say you're going north. It just says turn around and go and make a 180 degree turn. Both of them are confused by this because they think they're flying south. They know that the Romeo Waypoint is to the south, but the computer is telling them to turn around. And because they're confused and because of the, probably because of the stupid flaps problem, right? So like yeah. once something like goes wrong a little bit with your plane, you can see how somebody would start to think like, oh, the stupid plane is like everything's broken on this plane. Like why is it giving us the wrong directions? So they think that the computer is not functioning correctly. And so they start to troubleshoot the computer because it's not giving them the directions that they think would be accurate. Yeah. And while they're troubleshooting it, they, again, think they're flying south, so they think that they're safe. They fly for six minutes. For six minutes, Mm. they're flying straight north toward the Himalayas oh, gosh. messing with a computer that's actually working just fine <sighs> air traffic control calls them and says where are you right because again that's air traffic control's only way of knowing where they are there's no radar they have to call them and ask them where they are and Prita says we're five miles from the airport and air traffic control is like that that can't be right yeah like that, that just, that can't possibly be right. There's no way you're five miles from the airport. That doesn't make any sense. And I think that there's probably, you know, when you're confused and you're really focused on something and you're working on it and you lose track of time. Right. And so my guess is that they had lost track of time. And so what was that, what, what was in fact six minutes probably felt like 30 seconds, but the air traffic controller knows what time it is and knows that that makes no sense. So the air traffic controller is like, can you confirm your location? You're five miles from the airport. And Prita is like, these air traffic controllers don't answer me. I like call them constantly. They don't get back to me when I ask them things, or when I ask for permission. And then they bug me with nonsense. Like, right. yeah, five miles from the airport. Right. Yep. And the air traffic controller drops it. The air traffic controller doesn't have any data to contradict that other than his own mental map that he's got to use every single day for work and he's thinks okay like maybe he got confused maybe he lost track of something so they keep flying north they keep flying toward the himalayas and trying to fix the computer that's not broken and while they're like fixated on trying to fix the computer Futhat sees it he sees the compass yeah. and he sees that they're flying north. 
and and it like clicks for him. He realizes what they've done, but he's maybe been a little ground down by the situation. Yeah. And so instead of saying that and like, oh my God, like that's the problem. We're flying north. Like that's the problem. The computer's right. Nothing is wrong. He says, uh, we're flying north, huh? Like, eh? Yeah. Flying north? Eh? And like as a question, like in kind of like a, hey. And the captain just says like, yeah, we're going to turn around soon because it doesn't click for him. And he doesn't mm-hmm. see the compass and he doesn't, it was a question and the captain answered it and it's still like trying to like focused on the computer. He tries to call air traffic control and ask about the weather. And now the air traffic controller isn't talking to him again. And that's extremely frustrating. And he's doing everything himself, which he doesn't have to, but he thinks he has to, because he doesn't understand that the, that the first officer sitting next to him wasn't asking a stupid question. He was correctly identifying that they're going the wrong way. They keep flying north and the ground proximity warning goes up. The like whoop whoop terrain terrain like a terrifying warning when you are flying through clouds can see nothing and you are in the mountains and you know you're surrounded by mountains. And Fouthat says like turn around like we need to turn around and like not like begging not not forcefully just like like please like we have to turn around and Prita says it's false it's wrong like the computer is just giving us garbage the computer is wrong because he believes with all his heart that they are flying more than a thousand feet above the mountains that he thinks they're over and seconds later they come through the clouds and like it just seems like a ghost like the Mm. the mountain in front of them comes into view through the clouds and they see it and by the time they see it there is nothing nothing they can do and they slam into this mountain and everyone is killed instantly they slam into the mountain instantly destroyed oh that's tough oh and oh i don't even know who I don't know who it would be worse to be like which person when right. they saw the mountain like like Fouthat, right like to be pretty sure that you're doing something dangerous but the person who's like in control or is taking control of the situation is insisting that you're not yeah or to be the person who's like positive that you're not in danger and then like two seconds before you die you right Ugh, I mean, you may not even realize what you did, right? You right. might just be confused in that moment, right? I, I think. I mean, I don't know. I, it would be difficult to be the person for me. For me, I think it would mm-hmm. be very difficult to be the person who knew, mm. because it's like mm-hmm. ugh, I could have done, you know. Yeah, like in that split second, that's the last thing that you experience. Like just, I could have, I knew, you know, like I fucking knew. I think about that in like relationships where one or both people are really, really afraid of hearing I told you so. Yeah. And maybe because somebody was like horrible and cruel to them with that phrase and how if like your partner or like somebody in your life is like really hates to hear I told you so it can make you you're like tiptoeing around that but yeah. sometimes you do have information the other person has right. and you don't care about being right like there's no victory in being right in this situation right like that was not win. thinking right right he, I mean, like that was not thinking like I told you so no right no, no, no. he's right it's that idea that people get so people are are sensitized to hearing that yeah. that they miss that sometimes it's just it's good news if the person in your life knows stuff you don't know yeah. it's actually not a bad thing right oh but the the crash was in like an unbelievably like well and there's much more obviously there's more um remote parts of the world but it was in a remote area it was in a national uh park section okay. of this mountain and there were villagers who like lived up there and um, they heard the crash. But in 1992, they didn't have there was no like easy communication. There was no form of instant communication. It took days for them to like 
come down the mountain to mm. pass that information along. So they heard the crash, Jeez. but couldn't tell anyone right away and couldn't get to the site immediately either. So they may or may not have even, I don't know what you would think, right? If you just heard a crash and like a loud, a horrible loud sound. I don't know if you would know it was a plane crash immediately and right. um, not maybe an avalanche or other things that can be very loud. I, I just don't know. That's, I, I truly don't know. Um, but the air traffic controller has no radar. There's no like blip off the screen. There's no time for like a mayday call. So he's just been communicating with them. And the last place where they said they were was not a dangerous location. And so he just doesn't hear from them. Right. He just yeah. tries to call them and hears nothing. And then after enough time passes, realizes something is really wrong. And then the rescue crews, A, are delayed by the fog. Right. But then also when they start to look, they're looking in the south. They're yeah. looking in the mountain range to the south. And for days they're looking and there's nothing there and they can't find any sign of it. And the people who live around there haven't heard anything until finally somebody climbed down from the Himalayan mountain that they crashed into and says like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure a plane crashed up here. Yeah. And then they're finally able to send people up and to get a sense, uh, just like another horrible aspect of this, this event. And to give you a sense of how remote it was, uh, when the investigative people, like investigators who wanted to investigate the crash, are going up the mountain to look at it. Obviously, there's like the Nepalese authorities and there's Airbus authorities, uh, like, you know, people who work for Airbus who right. are there to see if it's something wrong with their plane and other people. An Airbus employee, the investigator for Airbus, Gordon, he's 62 and he died what? going up the mountain <gasps> to try to get to the site. Oh my God. He died just trying to get there. No. Horrible. That's horrible. He, horrible. Horrible. He's doing so his like, job. I mean, just, they all were, but no, right? God. But that's. I mean, just ah. Uh, but that. Uh, I don't know. A lot of times when people talk about this story and like a lot of the things that I read and like um like watch or listen to, um take like a pretty firm uh like the captain was a jerk yeah. and. I do not, he did not conduct himself well, right? He was obviously very frustrated and the way he expressed that, the way he handled it was not good. There's no question. Um, I'll be honest, I kind of think that reading this story or listening to the story, I think a person might naturally put themselves more in one of their shoes yeah, and that will probably form, inform your understanding of the story yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and it's too, it's it, like yeah. it there, you know, if they knew the outcome, they'd have a different attitude, you know, like it's, you right. just, you just don't, right. it's not the intention, you know, right. that's what makes it so hard. And it's like, there's, there's no forgiveness in this, you know, there's none, there's right. like no redemption story when something like this right. happens. Like if you're a jerk and everyone lives, then, you know, you can not be a jerk from then on out, but right. You can turn it around right. or like learn from that. Yeah. And there's like no opportunity to do that here. And in those situations, you know, which makes it difficult. So it's like, oof. yeah. Working with people who have that particular response to frustration where they like take more and more and more control, the more frustrated they are. Yeah. Working with people like that can be really tough. Yeah. Like so, so, so tough. Yeah. And I think most of us are capable of that in a lot of circumstances, right? Because if you are freaked out or if you're frustrated or if you're mad or if you're nervous, I mean, throughout this flight, Preto was like very safety focused, actually, right? Yeah. Like he, you know, wanted to avoid a lot of things that were dangerous. And I guess I just think that yeah, he he was wrong. And yeah. in the end, his his mistake and his like resistance mm -hmm. to identifying that he was disoriented 
is what caused this, right? And it, yeah, it, it's horrible. It's horrible. But I, I think that there's that element where people who do that, who like grab more and more and like do more and more and more, the more frustrated they get. I think that that usually comes from like needing to do everything Yeah. when you're like a kid yeah. or, you know, as you're growing up, like just yeah. being in that position where you can't trust anyone else to do it and right. you have to do everything. And it can get, again, super annoying because like people who have like murder complexes and will like do everything and then like be mad at you, even though you would happily do it. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. That can be very frustrating. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And I would not want people to be like analyzing like the worst conversations I've ever had. Oh my gosh. Because right. I accidentally killed a bunch of people, right? And right. myself, that would be it's rough. It's a rough story. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. All of these stories are are rough. And you know how like hesitant I am to to I don't know, you've watched football games with me, so you know yeah. that I will like <laughs> scream horrible things like all game and then feel bad for like the losing team right like even if we win like even if like the team i'm rooting for wins i'm like oh like the other team wanted to win like (laughs) i don't know i just but so but i i think that i think whatever you feel listening to this story is okay i think whatever position you put yourself in is okay i think most of us are in both of these positions at some point yeah and i think that it's fine your feelings are fine yeah you're okay yeah being spatially disoriented really freaks me out too like being oh, betrayed by your senses God, like that yeah that's the worst Ugh. that is yeah. that is quite literally the worst Ugh, just that like cold feeling down your spine yep. like i just that nauseous yeah. like oh my god like realizing what's wrong right yeah Ugh. No. but I know that you asked me earlier what the fact was supposed to be and i don't know <laughs> i know so i have sorry. to go back and listen to the last time we recorded i think that episode is up because brian edited them out of order so oh okay (laughs) i was i was like i couldn't remember i was looking at it and i just couldn't remember um i have a pigeon fact today a pigeon fact a pigeon fact i love pigeons so much um in so the national library of medicine has a study um that they did with pigeons about whether or not they could tell the difference between paintings like of famous painters and it turns out that pigeons can tell the difference between styles like monet and picasso but not um sorry what is it here uh paintings that were not controlled by objects in cubist paintings they could not tell the difference i don't know what that means i don't know what a cubist painting is didn't cubist like um you would recognize it okay. if you like google cubism All right, let me, um should i just I should you'll just be like cubism. you'll be like i ask cubism but what is oh the sentence yeah yeah, yeah. About okay cubism? so they couldn't recognize that but they could recognize the difference between monet and picasso that is so I love pigeons so much right? and that is so such a but that's the thing pigeons are so daft and like ridiculous yeah. Yeah. but they are also like supremely like the whole ability to find their way home yeah. is so unbelievable and like pigeons like saved people's lives in like world wars and stuff right. like carrier pigeons bringing like little notes yeah and apparently they're great art <laughs> yeah connoisseurs <laughs> yeah 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 because, listen a lot of people this will somehow be the most controversial thing i've said all day <laughs> but like if i had to pick between picasso cubism and monet if i had to like knock one of those off the list yeah. it would be cubism yeah. like i'll keep yeah monet and picasso even though i'm a little iffy on picasso but i like monet i really like so yeah. anyway it's fine that'll be the thing that we get mean emails about yeah, for the first thing I've i mean ever. Cuban, cubism is fine it's totally fine it's it's fine it's fine but like it's just not you know i'm gonna get if one of you has like written like a like a grad paper on like the benefit like not the benefits the like uh 
excellence of cubism yeah i'll read it yeah i'll read it yeah my brother i think my brother really likes cubism okay i think it's like he's like partial to it yeah and apparently the pigeons are not and i guess i'm with the pigeons right (laughs) yeah that's i also i'm just like i i want that that job you know the job of like doing science art science with pigeons yeah like i that's yeah that's the specific i figured it out like that's the specific job i want yeah just that yeah but if we have a farm and we could have pigeons no but seriously and have pigeons we can do fun things with the pigeons like i just love pigeons guys i know that people think they're just dirty people don't like them yeah and they probably are dirty (laughs) they are so dirty though that's the problem they are just dirty because they're just on the streets. I mean, right. they're just real dirty. But being dirty isn't a sin. No. Like, they can't help it. <laughs> no. They're just little guys. They make nice soft sounds. Yeah. They, um, as like a pet bird, like given your options for pet birds, they are birds that um, like can't really hurt you at all. Yeah. Like if they peck you, it's just like nothing because right. they have their dumb little beak and <laughs> they're wings are not strong and they don't really have talons so yeah they can't hurt you and <laughs> they're just little guys yeah. i really like pigeons well i mean there's a 174 page report on this pigeon art experiment Amazing. so if Amazing. i mean just read away wonderful there's wonderful. graphs it's very scientific you know yeah <laughs> that's what a what an idea though because like there's been tons of science done on like pigeons ability to like find their way home yeah i think i you remember like there was a pigeon that we were we like were feeding the birds on our um fire escape yeah thank you fire escape and there was this like injured pigeon that like something was wrong with his legs yeah. and i yep. caught him even though he could fly and but we when i called the place that I was going to bring him like the bird rescue or whatever. Um, I was like, if he gets better, like if he is treatable, do I like come and pick him up right. to like bring him back? And the lady was like, well, no, he's a pigeon. <laughs> he'll find his, he'll find his way back. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's true. Yeah. Even though it's like, you know, it, the place is in like on 81st, like way, right. uh, like way uptown, um, on the other side of Central Park and everything yeah. in Manhattan and we're in Queens. Right. The pigeon would find his way yeah. home. As the pigeon yeah. flies. As the pigeon flies. Indeed. Indeed. Ugh. They're the most direct they have the most direct routes. Right? Which it should be as the pigeon flies. It should be. Little pigeons. Guys, I really hope if my life goes the way I want it to, <sighs> I'll post pictures of pet pigeons yeah. next year. One year from one today. One year from today. On the Instagram. July 19th. Mark it in your calendars, people. 20. We're giving you 365 days notice, so. Yeah, for pigeon pictures. Primo pigeon pictures. I've been having this this specifically because of the telescope that's coming out. So, like, Mm, a lot mm -hmm. of my feed is, like, you know, science stuff or, like, I don't know, existence stuff. And thinking too much about space i'm realizing is mm-hmm. is you gotta like reel it in at some point you really gotta reel it in because you just yeah. it's endless i mean it's holy cow and theoretically yeah. like none of this is going to affect us at all in our lifetime but eventually something will affect something you know that it is i don't know like i this is not a complete thought, but someday I will complete this thought yeah. where like sometimes my brain will try to put the way you feel when you think about the vastness of space. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's like that. And then there's the way that you feel when you see like a hummingbird hatch, like yes. these like tiny little yes. miracles. And then this like unfathomable vastness of space. Yes. I, there's not, this is not a complete thought but my brain tries to put those two things together (laughs) and i i don't know why or how they fit together but there's something about that yeah i don't know maybe it's just i don't know what a wild thing that we are even able to conceive of both of those things right right exactly well and that's like the human that's the human like quote-unquote condition or whatever is that we can yeah take it to that next step to like perceive those both of those things at the same time it's crazy 
Yeah. And then you got dogs yeah. who like are like derp. <laughs> right. They don't know what's going on ever. ever. They never, <laughs> never know what's happening at no point. But they do care. That's why it stresses me so out. So like, much. Cats don't know what's going on and do not care. No, it does not existing. bother them. Right. If they're curious, they're going to check it out. If they're not curious, does not matter. No. But like dogs want to know what's happening <laughs> all the time want to like anticipate what you're gonna do they like try to like watch you for signals right. or like are we I'm gonna like, keep sitting here right. <laughs> are we gonna eat are we gonna go on a walk we're we gonna go to the other room like doing? they're like watching all the time <laughs> but they never know what's happening never. but they gotta know they gotta figure it out oh it's so stressful to me <laughs> i don't want to be a dog that would be i know some people really like kids want to be dogs yeah. and i don't want to be a dog That's fair. kids are wrong but the crazy but, thing is they don't know they don't know anything else right they don't know that it's stressful that in like a human they form don't know. it would be stressful no i have you know my many thoughts on this yeah. and i have to reveal my very strange mind to the world slowly <laughs> so i'll skip my like long rants about <laughs> scary dogs that look like they are human souls trapped in dogs bodies oh, and how i really don't yeah. want that to happen yeah but no 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 guys i got a lot of complex feelings about dogs <laughs> i really i don't know you like, have blink, a dog your dog I is so do. nice i love my dog like blink twice if you're a human those kind of things yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh-uh. <laughs> i don't know there was one dog on tiktok i'll have to send it to you i have to find it but there was one dog on tiktok that i was like that i've never thought of that before but that is definitely a human yeah a human soul trapped in a body this well friends it is did we mention that it's a million degrees I, here sweat and is pouring here. out of every bent yeah. crevice of my body right now yeah i am so hot so there is <laughs> I have to that turn is the AC part of this situation yeah turn it back on yep. i love you we love you all. we love, love all you, of Casey. you so much yep. if it is so hot where you are oh solidarity yeah i mean we're probably so like sorry. the coolest of the hot right now that's that i want that that's what i want to be known as the coolest, <laughs> the coolest of the hot like, <laughs> that is that's what we should name the show like that's it the coolest of the hot like yeah that's it you guys nailed it. each and every one of you are the coolest of the yes. hot we love you so much take a cold bath so that this doesn't happen uh, to your brain yep. and i love you love i love you, you more Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I made a master list of flights that we haven't done. I mean, obviously it's incomplete, um, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. I uh, don't have as many stories as I would like that do not result in any human death. Um, if you have a favorite story that you'd like to hear in general, of course you can send it to us. But if you happen to have a favorite story that we haven't done that uh, everyone survives, I would love it if you messaged it to us. Uh, I do have the famous uh, Qantas flight already on the list. So I promise we'll get to that one. I promise, promise. Um, yeah. So we look forward to hearing from you. See you next week. Bye.